So I'm speaking with uh, composer Joel P. West, uh, whose versatility as a storyteller has given us uh, wonderful scores to such films as Short Term 12, Grandma, Safe, uh, Safe Light, Youth in Oregon, Grass Stains, and now his most recent score to The Glass Castle, starring Brie Larson and Woody Harrelson. Uh, Joel reunites with Short Term 12 director Destin Daniel Cretton uh, for this uh, coming-of-age drama based on the memoir of Jeanette Walls. Uh, Joel, thank you so much for uh, chatting again. It's so great to have you back as a guest. Yeah, my pleasure. So I'd love to kind of revisit, uh, I mean, the last time we talked was almost four years ago. I'd love to revisit kind of the story of how you found the path to film composing. And uh, when did music enter your life and how did that kind of shift into a career in, in film and TV composition? Yeah, um, you know, it's it's great that we're talking about The Glass Castle because uh, Dustin Cretton is kind of my entry point into into film music. Um, I was always a songwriter first. Uh, I never really wanted to do music for work because it's always just been um, a little too important to me artistically. And uh, I went to school for art and design. Um, and while I was in college and kind of uh, just out of college, I was actually teaching high school for a bit. Um, I was always writing songs and recording albums just because it was something I sort of had to do. Um, I don't have a lot of musical training. Um, it's just something that I, I sort of gravitated towards around maybe when I was like 12 or 13. And um, and so uh, sometime around, I don't know, maybe a little over a decade ago, um, the music I was writing was starting to be more um, slow and pretty and oriented with uh, a lot of strings and orchestral type of instruments. And I think it just so happened that the music that I was interested in and the music that I like making um, just tends to work for film um, because I... Uh, I've always been a big fan of recorded music. I like live music too, but um, I've uh, I think I first found music by having albums to go take on road trips or walks and to kind of like uh, give context to other experiences. And so it ended up being a natural fit, but just something I'd never really thought about because I didn't really grow up watching too many movies and I definitely didn't go to film school. I'm still catching up on all those movies you're supposed to watch at some point. Right. Um, so uh, Destin and I were both living in San Diego and it's a pretty small creative community. And so we, we sort of just found each other um, as you do in, in a smaller town like that. And uh, we started working together. He was making some, some videos, uh, live performance videos and music videos for my band, the tree ring. And um, I started giving him some music. Uh, I mean, originally he had used some, some of my existing music and there was a couple other filmmakers who were starting to use just songs from my albums or instrumental versions of them for film. And, uh, he, uh, at some point wrote me into doing a, a TV documentary. It was my first time ever scoring something. And I just kind of got the bug because it was, um, I just, I'd never really considered the, the route before, but uh, I found it to be really, really creatively satisfying and really fun to work on a team um, and to have kind of a, like a school assignment, like a little bit of um, some rules already to work in or, or something that needs to be accomplished, um, which is really, really uh, inspiring for me as a musician. And um, so I, I started pursuing it and, and just, uh, you know, I still write songs and make albums. I just released an album with, um, I have a new band called Floodcoats. And uh, I found that the, the film music kind of feeds the my personal music and vice versa it's kind of nice to just go back and forth um so uh yeah a handful of years later we're we're here and it's um 
and I love it. I hope I'm going to keep doing it. That's awesome. So, I mean, that's great that you can have kind of two worlds where you can be locked away alone in a room and then kind of be with a band and, and be kind of more a collaborative kind of environment like that. Yeah, it's kind of nice because usually by the end of a, um, a film project, I have a bunch of ideas that I got along the way that don't make sense for the movie or, or, or didn't, um, didn't make the, the cut in some, some way. And so it's usually feels a little bit like school's out and I'm excited to go work on my own stuff and sort of have the, the chains off. Um, <laughs> but if I, I find if I'm trying to do songwriting and just, um, music on my own for too long, I start really wanting structure. So it's a nice, it's a nice back and forth. And usually if, when I'm in one phase, by the time I get to it, I'm kind of hungry for the other. So I always try and have, um, some work music and some personal music going on to just sort of go back and forth between. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, I, I mentioned earlier the last time we did an interview was four years ago, and that was right when Short Term 12 came out. Um, so how, I mean, how, how have you, have you changed much in terms of being a storyteller and a composer? Have you noticed uh, that you've been picking up new approaches, new techniques that you've kind of incorporated into your workflows? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Short Term 12 is my first um, feature film score, um, I learned so much on that and, you know, luckily I had such a creative shorthand already with Dustin that we were able to kind of figure it out together cause he hadn't ever uh, made a feature with just score in it before. And so we were both learning and, um, since then I've just gotten a lot of practice. I think I maybe have done 10 movies since then. So it was really fun to come back and work with, with him again, um, having a bit more understanding of how it all works. And it's one of those things where it's, it's really hard, um, it seems like a really tough thing to learn without just doing it because uh, you always kind of, at least I, I always think I know it's going to work for scenes or for a movie overall. And then the, the first idea usually doesn't, it just takes a lot of trial and error. And so um, I think the, the biggest thing that's happened between short term 12 and the glass castle, um, uh, other than just me uh, getting to do a bunch of other movies that are all kind of slightly different and had different challenges is that just, um, I've just learned to be more of a filmmaker because um, I really hadn't watched too many movies when I when I scored short term, short term twelve, and so um, I found that as a film composer, um, music is what I'm bringing to the table, but I'm really just another storyteller and a filmmaker, and so um, I think that's the the area I've probably grown in the most is I've just started watching a lot of movies and paying attention to um, really not just what score is doing, but just um, editing and character development, all those things, because ultimately that's what I'm there to support. And um, I've kind of found that the more I understand how to, how films put together and um, the more I'm able to critique uh, what's working or not working or what makes something really special or what makes it confusing um, when I'm watching other movies um, has really been the, the biggest, uh, the biggest tool in learning how to support a filmmaker's direction with the music. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, you are a storyteller and you are a filmmaker, and you're using your tool, which is music, to tell that story. And um, so, when when uh, Destin called you up and said, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm, I'm making another movie. It's The Glass Castle." What were kind of the um, the initial conversations that you had with him, and you know, what were kind of those musical ideas that were you were discussing at the very beginning of of, of this whole project? Yeah, so, um, you know, Dustin, this is a memoir, and, and Dustin was, from the start, just very, very true to um, not just the book, but the author's just personal story, and he was um, 
first and foremost, just wanting to really take care of her, her story and her family. It's a really, it's a really intimate and kind of, um, uh, it's kind of an intense, it's not a story that everybody would want to tell if it was their story. And so, um, the first thing is he said, you know, just, you should read the book and, and, uh, dig into it and, and just watch for any music references. So the first thing I did is just went through, through the book and tried to figure out any, any moments where, um, music comes into play in, in Jeanette's story. And then um, Dustin asked Jeanette some, some additional questions to kind of get a context for what music was around in her childhood and what music her family is into. Um, she grew up uh, largely in West Virginia, um, but the music you think of from that era wasn't really a part of her, uh, her musical language because initially I thought, oh, it's West Virginia, so we should really do something um, you know, in the Appalachian world, but um, that wasn't really something that she had ever connected to. Um, so the first references were just some things that her dad liked, which are kind of more just Johnny Cash, uh, Willie Nelson. Um, there's some a lot of references in the book to 60s and 70s country music, um, Kitty Wells, uh, R- Roy Acuff, stuff like that. Um, and so that was sort of the first idea, um, and we we knew we wanted to keep the um, the musical language. Um, we, you know, this this movie spans like thirty years, and so we wanted to make sure that the the instrumentation was simple enough that it would make sense for all of those eras, and that it would be have an organic quality because it's a pretty, you know, it is a pretty uh, modest upbringing that she had, and they were kind of rambling around in the desert and in the Southwest and throughout, um, West Virginia. And so want to have something organic to it. And then additionally, Dustin had this really interesting, um, initial idea, which I think kind of set off the, the tone of the movie, which is that he said he wanted it to feel like Christmas music because there's a lot of strong memories in the book that Jeanette references that are around Christmas time. And there's something about Christmas music that has, kind of an emotional heaviness, um, but also a really nice, warm, fuzzy, magic feeling that that just does seem so related to um, the way you feel when you think back on on childhood memories or when you, right. you know, go, go through a photo album or something. So that was the other uh, charge is to kind of pick apart what about Christmas music makes it feel like that besides those just big um, melodies that we all know. Absolutely. So when you, when you kind of started taking in the story and everything, um, did you kind of uh, approach it by writing themes for uh, certain characters, that, or did you want to keep it? I mean, there, there are a lot of kind of key characters in the story, um, with Jeanette being kind of the main one, but did you, how did you, how did you work the score thematically, or did you just kind of build a, a central theme, or did you give characters certain kind of uh, melodic motifs? Uh, we, we did really go pretty, pretty old school thematic on this. Um, Dustin loves old movie scores and just, you know, melodies, even if they're simple melodies that are recognizable and kind of have, um, something iconic to him. And so he really wanted that. I love that stuff too. And so, um, there are four or five specific themes in the movie, um, but they're not for different characters. What they, what they really ended up being for is, all of the different aspects of Jeanette's relationship with her dad, Rex. And mm-hmm. so um, in this movie, you watch her go from this childhood wonder and kind of just uh, blind trust and um, appreciation for her dad into kind of a dark and slightly icky, uh, disappointed mode when she sort of understands as she's growing up 
what their real situation is and then ultimately comes back around to appreciating her dad but in kind of a more um uh, a more realistic way and so the idea was that we would have a few themes that kind of echo the different um the different phases of, of their relationship um you know, there's a theme for when she's feeling scared of Rex and not trusting Rex. There's a theme for when she's really connecting with him. There's a theme that's kind of Rex's magic theme when when uh, she's totally buying into this grandiose world that he's always painting. And so it was more about making these simple melodies that, that would uh, identify those different parts of their relationship and then uh, let us expand with the instrumentation and the size of them throughout the movie to track, um, like kind of use those same themes and let them grow and ebb and flow as, as her relationship changes throughout this pretty long span that the movie covers. Yeah, that's, well, that's fascinating. That's really awesome. So since it does kind of span over such a long time um, with, you know, showing her childhood and then her adult life, and you, you did talk about how you kind of approached that a little bit, but did did you, did you use the music at all to create a sense of uh, time or setting, or did you just kind of make it trying to weave every weave the score through everything to make it one kind of flowing arc? Yeah, you know, we we had looked at that idea for a bit of of wondering, you know, should we use the music to help? Because um, we move around a lot in this movie, it's it's jumping time constantly, and so. That was kind of an initial thought. Is like, should we help the audience by trying to use the music to mark what time frame we're in? And it ended up being a little more ethereal than that. And it, it really uh, ended up being kind of like I was saying, tracking tracking Jeanette's relationship with her dad. And so um, it's uh, it's more what we did is sort of um, stretch the the size and the and the the mood of the same music throughout the film. So the when, when it starts, it's we're in Jeanette's three years old, and she's just in love with everything that her dad says and their whole the adventure of their whole rambling lifestyle. And so the the music is huge. It sounds like uh, Aaron Copeland, like big Americana, like really over the top, glossy, uh, epic orchestral music. And then it slowly the same music kind of just whittles down to be a little more rickety. A little simpler, smaller, more intimate, and at times kind of uncomfortable. And then, as the as she sort of comes back around in the third act, um, the goal was we were trying to rebuild that same music with more honest instruments, but back into kind of a more peaceful and happy place. So, sort of, I guess, starting there's there's a little bit of a false feeling to the music in the beginning of the movie because. Um, you know, she's sort of seeing just the good side, and but the idea was that we would strip it down and then sort of reassemble it with some some more honest, uh, honest sounds to just track her journey with her dad. Wow, that's awesome! Um, since the film is such a, I mean, it's, it's a character, it's a character study, and they're very you know performance heavy, and, and it's it's really focused on these characters and what the actors are bringing uh, to them. Um, is it? It was it hard to kind of make sure that the music wasn't too melodramatic because I think it's very easy for music to kind of do too much. And uh, did you kind of have to make sure that the music wasn't pushing hard uh, too much? Yeah, it was so hard. It's uh, we're walking such a fine line in this movie and it's um, it's such an authentic movie and the performances are so authentic that um, it's, it's one of the daunting things as a composer, uh, 
to watch scenes that just play so well with no music mm-hmm. and to go, man, this doesn't need anything, but it, you know, the film overall needs music. And so, um, we tiptoed around scenes for, I mean, we just spent a lot of time, um, because you're you're absolutely right. It was it's a it's a fine balance, and it'd be such a shame in any of these really beautifully written and very authentically acted scenes to just ruin them with music and make them feel like we're just forcing people to try and believe a certain you know feel a certain thing. And so, right. what it ended up being is just um, we just tried everything, and uh, Destin's Destin is uh, a really he's really great at pushing pushing his team to try everything. And then once you kind of find it and you know, it's good to make sure it's good by trying a bunch of other things or pushing a little further or taking some more things away. And um, so we just spent three or four months just trying with every scene. We just tried everything we could think of. Um, A lot of times just throwing music at a scene that we knew was wrong, but just to try and figure out why it was wrong. And um, ultimately um, it, 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 uh, kind of gave us a confidence in, in the music that, uh, because we, we would, we tried so many things by the end that when we were doing the final recording, there's a few moments where we kind of went, what if we should do this? Or I wonder if this would maybe be better differently. And then we would remember like, oh yeah, we tried that. We tried it like three times and this, <laughs> this is the best thing for the scene. So that's, um, yeah. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's one of, one of Destin's, um, best strength as a storyteller is he um he has such a good uh, uh he, he can make movie magic and and create these really like memorable and sort of magical scenes but they're always they always feel so real um and uh it's it is a tough it's a tough task to, to meet that musically but we found that it's just there's really no way to do it other than just try everything and just spend a lot of time whittling away at what what the best uh fit is right i mean so for that process i mean you mentioned the kind of trial and error process and um so when i guess when do you know uh when it's right i mean it's pretty easy to i guess to know when it's wrong because you don't feel it but i guess you do use your instinct you rely on your director such as destin in this situation or like when do you know that you've found the right thing i think that uh one thing i learned um, on this movie particularly was that I, th- I think that probably the, the most definitive answer to that question would be um, we knew it was right whenever we would do a test screening with a new audience and when we wouldn't squirm um, when the scene came on. Because um, a lot of times you start, yeah, it is very easy to tell when something's not working. Um, but then even when something felt like it, it was working and was good, um, the true test was watching a whole movie straight through with some friends or with a bigger uh, test audience. And it, it seems like uh, all the problems reveal themselves in that because you just um, you can feel when the music's taking you out of the movie or when it's um, when it's pushing too hard. There, there was a, a handful of scenes that we scored over and over and over again and tried so many different things and then ultimately tried tried doing a test screening with no music in the scene and then ended up going all right no music that that played the best so <laughs> it's uh yeah that's um something about sitting next to other people who haven't seen the movie yet makes you really it's there's kind of no way to fake that that understanding that you get um by just watching somebody else watch the movie and take in the story and then then really kind of stop thinking about the music as much as whether or not 
the whole thing is is working for them and then figure out what music can do better to to make their experience you know smooth and authentic no for sure and i and i know that feeling because you you it's just something when you 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 like feed off their energy when you <laughs> next to someone who's watching something for the first time and and you've seen it thousands of times and all of a sudden you suddenly are seeing the movie in a completely new way like you're in their body watching it and you can actually feel like okay that doesn't work and this works like <laughs> such a crazy thing <laughs> yeah this it's crazy i mean i can remember just a few specific instances where i spent like a whole week working on music for a certain scene and then we tried it with an audience and i as soon as it came on, I like everything in me just wanted to run out of the room and just like <laughs> never work on the movie again because it just it for some reason it just it's like a big magnifying glass and yeah. um, and it's a good I think it's a good reminder too that uh, we're putting all this work in to try and um, you know give this this uh, experience to somebody and so if it's it's not working for the audience even if you love it um, something's not as good as it could be absolutely so. Kind of uh, overall, with your experience working on, you know, not just, um, you know, uh, The Glass Castle and all the films that you've done so far, in your opinion, uh, what makes a successful score versus an unsuccessful score? You know, I think it's just a a successful score um, just makes the movie better than it was. Um, And uh, some of the most successful scores are ones you really just don't even notice are there. I think uh, it's funny because in awards world, you know, the only kind of music that's ever going to get noticed, and this is true of any of the creative disciplines that go into filmmaking, um, there's a difference between a score that's really memorable and, and is out front and noticeable and a score that works really well. Um, and so I think uh, the biggest, the, you know, the, the, the best measure is, is whether or not it is making the film better and making the film more special and and more clear and making it move quicker. Um, I always think it's it's a it's good. Like for me, it's 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 always been important to have another musical outlet because if I'm trying to get all of my musical ideas out into in a film, I'm probably gonna start overdoing it. Um, I think it's it's always I think it's good for composers to have another place to put musical ideas so that you can really just think about what what the film needs. Um, and I think, uh, I love, I love when a score makes me feel something I've never felt. Um, and, um, I love when it, you know, it's when there's something special about it, that's even if it's not really out front, it's just some kind of feeling that it gives me that I I feel like, well, I've never gotten to experience this before. And that's, that's what I look for when I go to the theater. Absolutely. Totally agree with you on that for sure. Well, uh, Joel, I want to thank you again so much for, for chatting today and, and getting to talk again it's been so nice to catch up and and uh congrats on you know everything from um, it's been just fascinating and really enlightening to listen to your career from short term 12 up to now so it's been uh, great to kind of follow your progress along <laughs> yeah i really appreciate it it's really nice to catch up and um and uh i'm, I'm really excited about this one so i appreciate you taking the time <laughs>